Thank you for listening to this new edition of the podcast, By the Still Water. Our hope is that these messages will be an encouragement in your search for the God of heaven. Thank you. Did you know that one of the most famous buildings in the ancient world was a lighthouse? It was called the Pharos of Alexandria. It was one of the tallest structures in the ancient world, at least as tall as the modern Statue of Liberty. It stood more than a thousand years at the entrance to the most important harbor in Egypt. Some ancient accounts claim that at the top of the tower was a bronze mirror that was used to reflect sunlight during the day and that an oil fire burned during the night. The Pharos of Alexandria was considered one of the wonders of the ancient world, right along with the pyramids of Egypt and the hanging gardens of Babylon. But the Pharos of Alexandria had a very practical function. It was a beacon. Sailors had little in the way of navigation aids and relied mostly on following the coastline of the Mediterranean. It would have been very easy to sail right past the safety of the harbor without realizing it, especially during the night or in poor weather. But the lighthouse would have been visible for miles. What a relief the ancient mariners would have felt, seeing the beacon and knowing which way to go to find their home. When Jesus began to travel and talk to the people about his nation and kingdom, the lighthouse of Alexandria was already about 300 years old and one of the most famous landmarks in the world. Jesus spoke in his mountain sermon about being the light in the world. Could it have been the image of that beacon perched on the edge of the sea, a signpost for safety and hope that came to the minds of people, and how Jesus could remake someone that could be such a beacon. This is all part of the introduction to what we have been calling the mountain message of Jesus, sometimes called the Sermon on the Mount, found in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. At the end of this introduction, Jesus makes a statement that must have shaken the listeners to the core. But this statement made by Jesus is, in many ways, the thesis statement of the whole sermon, the core idea of what he was trying to say. He declares, I tell you that you must do better than your teachers of the law and the Pharisees. If you are not more pleasing to God than they are, you will never enter God's kingdom. In previous podcasts, we have talked about the beginning of the mountain message of Jesus and how each of the opening statements begins with the word and image of blessing. They are a composite picture of those that make up his nation, a nation without land borders and without armies. The message was radical and challenging for its time, and that it is just as radical and challenging for us today, because it focuses on the mind, on the values, the motivations, and the character of the individual. This is very much in contrast to what was being taught by the religious leaders at the time. The focus had shifted from a dedication to loving and honoring God to a long series of rituals and strict traditional practices. The love of their fellow man and the character of a person had been pushed to the wayside in favor of creating a more and more restrictive code of behavior with an emphasis on the religious leadership being able to brag that they were more righteous than the common people. It is in the middle of this corrupt environment that Jesus begins traveling around and teaching these common people the people that the religious leaders had humiliated as a way of making them look special. He introduces the mountain sermon by declaring that the blessing of God is for those that are not consumed with pride, 
but come empty-handed. Jesus says that the blessings of God are for those that weep because of what sin has done to them and to the world, not those that see themselves as better than others. Jesus declared, Blessed are those that are willing to submit to a higher moral standard than they can invent. Offer mercy with pure motives to everyone. Each statement of blessing demands a personal and intimate examination of someone's heart. But this is only the first half of the introduction. Because Jesus is describing those that would be a part of his kingdom, we are going to use the term citizen to identify them. While the citizen is blessed because he has looked inward and is willing to change his self-perception and motivations, Jesus says this citizen, this remade person, has a mission and a responsibility. He describes this responsibility first as, you are the salt of the earth. Now, the meaning of this phrase has been obscured over time. It has become an idiom to mean honest and trustworthy. But that was not what Jesus meant when he said this. We think of salt as something that makes our food taste good. But in the ancient world, it was much more than that. Salt was a very valuable commodity in the days of Jesus. It was so highly prized that Roman soldiers were sometimes paid in quantities of salt. This is the origin of the modern word salary. This would seem to be a strange practice until you look closer. The soldiers were given a commodity that was easy to trade with local people for goods and services because salt was the only means available to preserve meat. They did not have refrigeration or canning, so meat was preserved with salt where it began to spoil. But like any food product, salt can become contaminated and diluted to the point where it will not do its job. And when that happens, it has to be thrown away. It will poison good farmland, so the only place to dispose of it was in the road. In the context of the times in which Jesus spoke these words, the people knew that the religious leadership was corrupt. They knew that while the religious teachers bragged of being godly people, they were selfish and arrogant. They used the cover of religion to steal and to manipulate others. They made a show of their good deeds, like giving to the poor, not because they wanted to help or promote good things, but because they wanted people to think more highly of them. They were not helping people to see God, but in fact poisoning the people's minds and hearts against God. In contrast to this corruption, Jesus describes the citizens of his kingdom as those that have as their mission to stop something from becoming rotten. But how would they fulfill that role? Jesus was talking about the citizens of his nation examining their motives behind their own actions and demanding that peace, mercy, and forgiveness be their motivations. If they were living these principles, they could be a power for good not in a social reform kind of way, but in a personal way. When looking at the statements of blessing earlier, we saw that Jesus declared that those that hunger and thirst for the rightness of God will be filled. Psalm 19 talks about the law of the Lord and the statutes of the Lord and the judgments of the Lord and how they are worth more than gold and the sweetest thing you have ever tasted. To teach others the wisdom of God is to offer them preservation. The second image that Jesus uses to talk about the mission of a citizen is that of light. Like the great Pharos lighthouse, people need to know which way to turn to find God. The mercy, pure motives, 
forgiveness, and humility of the citizen Jesus has described would be just such a beacon. But for this to be effective, it requires those listening, those that would choose to be a citizen of Jesus, to aspire to a different standard, a higher standard than the religious leaders of their day. They must be led by God. Jesus sent his followers into the world to carry his message of hope and forgiveness. At the end of the book of Matthew, Jesus makes this statement, All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. So go and make followers of all people in the world. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that I have told you to do. You can be sure that I will be with you always. I will continue with you until the end of time. The first thing Jesus speaks of is authority. Jesus is the King of kings, and his citizens follow what he commands. His command here is to reach out to everyone with an opportunity, no matter who you are, what place in society you occupy, or where you are. You can share in the blessings. So, who is a follower of Jesus? He says that to be a follower means a starting place and a way forward. The starting place is baptism. Now, there is a lot of misunderstanding about this word and this action, and we will take that up in future podcasts. But let's focus on the second condition. Jesus said, teach them to obey everything I have told you to do. Who can say something like that? The king can say something like that. When we follow Jesus the king and become citizens in his nation, we follow everything, everything he commands. This is how Jesus defined a follower. A citizen of his kingdom is the one that would follow what he has commanded. But is that doable? Can someone just follow the word of God? I think it is, because Jesus was not preaching to the religious leaders to follow him, but to the people working in the fields, on the fishing boats, in the markets, or raising their kids. The mountain message is not about religious reform, but about being people that are remade from the inside out. The simple message that the apostles of Jesus preached did not need fancy temples or cathedrals. It needed people that wanted hope, forgiveness, and peace. To be salt and to be a beacon means that there are people searching for those things. After more than a thousand years, the lighthouse at Alexandria was toppled into the sea by a series of earthquakes. But the light of hope for a spiritual searcher still shines. Look far past the corruption and greed of modern religion past the selfishness and twisted doctrine. Look for something better. See that? The king has set the beacon of hope aflame. Thank you for listening to this episode of By the Still Water. It is our desire that these messages reflect the true word of God. If you would like to reach us, you can reach us by email at bythestillwater2024 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook at By the Still Water Podcast. Please consider subscribing. This will alert you to new episodes when they are made available. Again, thank you for listening. <music>